All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and thank you for taking just a little time out of your day to listen. P.T. Barnum famously said, always leave them wanting more. Those immortal words have rang true to me on more than a few occasions. None so more than the first time I watched director Billy Corbin's now classic documentary, Cocaine Cowboys. Released in 2006, the film is a riveting look at the drug trade in Southern Florida that eclipsed the area for more than three decades. Cocaine Cowboys is the kind of documentary that creates a certain call to action, specifically, in my case, contacting everyone I knew and asking them, have you seen this film yet? Stop what you're doing and watch it right now. Now, this may come as a surprise to some of my younger listeners, but there was a time when Netflix was only renting DVDs through the mail. That, of course, changed in 2007 when they began to offer movies via streaming, a radical shift in how we would consume our content. And now, in 2021, it's the standard. I say this because I was an early adopter of streaming, and I would try to convince others to sign up for Netflix. The chief complaint or resistance that I would get was that Netflix streaming, specifically their streaming library, was too small, and there wasn't enough big-name titles. My counter to that argument was always, well, there's one documentary currently on Netflix streaming that is alone worth the price of the monthly service. I'm sure you can figure what film that was. What Billy Corbin and his team were able to construct in Cocaine Cowboys was a fast-paced, sometimes edge-of-your-seat documentary filled with a wide array of characters, some charismatic as hell and others truly terrifying. I often wonder what it would be like to sit down in the same room with some of these characters for an interview. I clearly remember when it was over that I wanted to know more about the story. For you see, as much as Cocaine Cowboys told an amazing story, I knew that Billy Corbin and his crew were just scratching the surface. Now thankfully, two years later, we got Cocaine Cowboys too, hustling with the Godmother. Now it's a more stripped down story than the original film, but just as compelling. And it was the first time, albeit certainly not the last time, I would ask the question, how the hell does Billy Corbin get these candid interviews set up? I mean, you hear stories of criminal enterprises from the criminals themselves. It's insane. But damn, it makes for one hell of an interesting story. I had a few takeaways after watching the first two documentaries. Number one, I want more. And number two, Billy Corbin is a filmmaker firmly on my radar from this point on. And throughout the 15 years since the release of Cocaine Cowboys, Billy Corbin and his amazing team has delighted us with a number of fantastic documentaries with topics ranging from infamous New York City nightclub owner Peter Gation with 2011's Limelight, a story of 1970s marijuana smugglers with Square Grouper released the same year, no less than three films in ESPN's wildly popular series 30 for 30, The U, The U Part 2, a look at the University of Miami college football team. Those are incredible stories. And broke, an often heartbreaking look at how some big-name sports athletes lost everything. If it's not already in place, broke should be screened for every single person entering the professional sports arena. There's 2015's Dogfight, in which we're introduced to this larger-than-life character named Dada 5000, a gentleman who built an MMA-slash-boxing ring in his mom's backyard in South Florida and promoted and hosted illegal fighting. It's an incredible story. There's 2018 Screwball, a documentary about PEDs and baseball, really centered around Alex Rodriguez. 
Screwball is the pure definition of truth is stranger than fiction. And this film, in many ways, will have you shaking your head in absolute disbelief, just screaming, it was so simple to fix this problem. Why did they do this? Why did they make these decisions? Screwball, again, a phenomenal film. And that's just, again, that's only a few of his films. But the bottom line when it comes to Billy Corbin movies, they all share a few things in common. They have a steady, consistent pace, wildly interesting characters, and Corbin's storytelling style keeps you hooked from minute one. Now, releasing worldwide August 4th on Netflix is Billy Corbin's and his producing partner Alfred Spielman's latest project, Cocaine Cowboys, The Kings of Miami, another tale in the South Florida drug trade. But unlike the first two films in the Cocaine Cowboy saga, this is not a standalone documentary film, rather a six-part miniseries. And right off the bat, let me tell you that the decision to tell the story in six parts was the right one. Throughout the first two films, I often wanted more, more background on certain characters and plot lines. With the Kings of Miami, that's exactly what you get. Corbin has a huge canvas to tell the story of Willie and Saul, two of Miami's biggest drug kingpins, who were responsible for importing mind-boggling amounts of cocaine throughout the 1980s and 90s. The miniseries comes with everything that you would and should expect from Corbin's storytelling style. But this time the pace is a little bit more balanced, with Corbin taking the time to really set up all the players. The first episode is our introduction to Willie and Sal and cleverly bounces back and forth between timelines with a focus on their youth, how they got into the business, and their world championship speedboat racing team. Along with meeting Willie and Sal, we are introduced to a huge amount of individuals from family, extended family, law enforcement, and one hell of a high-priced legal defense team. Every single person featured in this series brings something to the table, and some of the candid interviews you will hear will make you ask if some are or should be in witness protection for their own safety. I will always try to avoid spoilers when reviewing new releases, but I feel compelled to mention one aspect of the miniseries that really hooked me. Unlike the first two films, where there is violence and mayhem amok, The Kings of Miami almost tricks you into feeling a little empathetic in the beginning for Willie and Saul. At one point in the series, they are dubbed the Robin Hoods of the drug trade because of how much they support their communities. You are lulled into a sense to believe that they're a different type of drug lords, one that will let a botched shipment go without the typical violent response one would expect. As the series goes on, you learn that that might not be the case. What I have come to love about Billy Corbin's documentaries is that you often get both sides of the story, and this is certainly the case. It's incredibly interesting to hear a law enforcement officer or a federal prosecutor describe some crazy event and then quickly hear the same event described completely differently by the defense attorney or a member of William Saul's family or crew. It's utterly fascinating. Overall, I had a great time with Cocaine Cowboys, The Kings of Miami, and in typical Billy Corbin fashion, when the series was over, I uttered the words aloud, I want more. If this is your first introduction to Billy Corbin, I really urge you to seek out the numerous interviews and podcasts that he's appeared on. Billy is an incredibly engaging guy to listen to, and he always has a flair for keeping the conversation absolutely riveting. And I would know, six years ago, he appeared as a guest on an up-and-coming podcast about movies in the film industry, and it's still one of the coolest conversations I've ever had in my life. Thanks, Billy. My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening.